0: Welcome to the Social Authority Podcast with Amy Schmidtauer. That's me. This show is for you, a rising star in your industry, ready to produce your authority and share it with the world. Let's get started stoked to be here today with my guest social authority member Evan Doobie, and I love his about me page if you're not familiar with about.me it's a great little it's a great little site for you to basically let the world know who you are and what you do And his tagline says, selling townhouses and making vinyl records in Brooklyn, because that is a brand you want to learn more about. (laughs) Suddenly it's not just, oh, it's real estate. Okay. Well, give, give me something good. It's very intriguing. And today I want to welcome, first welcome, Evan. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Cheers.
0: Stoked to have you, and even more excited that you came up with this awesome topic for this chat. Because I was mm. like, Evan, you're doing all this crazy. You're doing real estate. You're doing music. You're in Brooklyn. Like this mm-hmm. is a lot of things, a lot of awesome, especially for those two industries to be where you are it makes a lot of sense. But what do you want to talk about? And he said let's talk about failure. And I was like, yes, we're going to get along great. So so I love this topic, failing beautifully in life and business. And I'm even more excited to find out where this is going to take us in terms of why you wanted to talk about it. But first... Let's clarify a few things. Mm -hmm. How did you get to be a musician real estate guy, and what does that path look like? How did you decide I'm going to make this hodgepodge one brand called Evan?
1: That's interesting question. So essentially, I reverse engineered real estate, and here's what I mean. So I I was a senior creative director at a company called Primary Wave Music, which is a very big independent music publisher here in New York City. Um, So I was sort of like head of A and R, if you will, at this company. I was there for five years, right at the time that my wife got pregnant, and um, you know I now have a five-year-old, and I really came to the decision that that in this high-paid salary job, I was saying yes when I meant no a lot about something Mm. that I take very, very near and dear, which is music. Um, And and that is,
0: and that's huge when you recognize that just alone recognizing. Saying yes and saying no, and what those two areas of your mm. life look like, because oftentimes they're the opposite of what they should be.
1: Certainly. And, you know, I, I just I, I structure my life in many ways around uh, the meaning that, that I get from music. And so to be saying yes when I mean no about music was really, really painful. So I should say that up front. And I didn't, I just no longer wanted to be a person who sold their hours for one set price, i.e., a, mm-hmm. a salaried person. Mm. Um, I wanted control of my time. I wanted to be there for my daughter, um, and, and I just was like this this life that I had. Um, you know, quite, very frankly, the job that I had, most people would kill for, and I gave it up. Um, now, of course, New York City being what it is and expensive to be what it is, I needed to, <clears throat> excuse me, engineer a new gig. And so I just was like, okay, I don't want to commute. I want to put big checks in the bank. I want to be in charge of my own time. I want to be my own boss. And I just sort of like, by by just default, whittle it down. I'd be like, oh, okay, I can sell drugs, which I won't do, or I can go um, Also,
0: another great reason to be in New York. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, that's really how um, I had been a musician my whole life. And I just sort of separated church and state. I went into, I started a label at that time with my business partner, Paul Lauren. Um, and we focused on music licensing because that's where money is um and and then i parsed out uh the sort of um you know the the bigger check component of my life into real estate and i and I'm really my life has sort of unfolded in a beautiful fashion since so i'm I'm quite fortunate that i made that decision and it but it really came out in a certain sense of failing so that's really Mm. you know to lead us back to the topic it's kind of this we we think of failure in a certain sense in life as a negative thing um, Mm. and oftentimes it can be but often it really make something happen so that you can so something else can happen like some
0: yeah well we all think it's negative because it is and and the negative has to happen in order for us to uh start thinking a little bit bigger about what we're doing um as many times as we're told no that we think is a lot we're also told yes Mm Probably too many times than we should be because most people won't actually be honest with us where some people are brutally honest. But I think the key word here, especially in your case with, you know, how did you end up being in real estate and music? And it's really just you balancing these two things that you wanted to do. You Mm -hmm. wanted to do both. The key for everybody is hearing those words reverse engineer mm. because nobody thinks um, not nobody, but it's it's difficult to wake up every day and think, what do I want the big picture to be right. versus how am I gonna get the bills paid today? Right. So it, it's it's so important that you said that because for those people that have come to me in the past and said, oh, I just have so many ideas. I have too many ideas. I wanna do all these things, mm-hmm. but they don't really fit together. It's like, well, why don't they fit together? If they are all your passion and you're building a personal brand, how do they not fit together? And why isn't it that we are leveraging the fact that they are so different for you to differentiate yourself mm-hmm. from everybody else that's doing everything the same and very cookie cutter. So. I really like that we've just combined those two forces of why not embrace all the things that make you excited about your life and reverse engineer a way of making that happen. And of course failure is going to happen along the way because the more you've differentiated yourself, the less likely you're going to find a sample out there to learn from.
1: <laughs> True. Yeah, I think it's just uh, for me personally, you know, I've I've had this is my third career really. I mean, uh, you know, i'm forty one years old, so uh, you know I, i've I've definitely had success in each of these three careers. I started off in hedge funds I uh, was a money manager from ninety nine until started as an analyst uh, until two thousand and five when I completely burned out of that business made a ton of money also almost lost my life to you know just l- leading a life that wasn't a representative of who I was as a person so needed to make a shift in in that regard um, I think it's just kind of it's just, it's like easy to to sort of view failure in a certain sense as like, um, I'm trying to get these outcomes and they didn't happen, therefore I failed. But if like, think of it this way, if you're in New York City and you're traveling South, but expecting to get to Boston, like the sooner you find out that that's not the way to go, I kind of feel like um, the better. And, And I think that's true of people's jobs and passions. Like, Finding out that you should quit it um, by 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 being dealt out an embarrassing, pain-stinging loss—it's kind of like you want that. You should want that to happen as soon as as possible, because then it's like you can really rechart a new course and. And, you know, you expend all that you can spending life, which is your time and energy on the right things.
0: So absolutely. And that very important thing that we all have that we need to use wisely is time. And to give you an example of um, how I did this, you know, when I realized I think I found passion, what I thought was passion. And it was just something I enjoyed and I did find a job in that industry, but then I found passion and I thought, oh my gosh, I could, I could do that. That's incredible to, to make the decision when I was, I think, how old am I now? It must've been when I was around 25, Mm -hmm. I guess it was like, okay. I need to go figure out if I can do this entrepreneurship thing because Mm. now's the time. Now's a great Mm. time. You know, I'm young and stupid and I can make a few mistakes. I'm not married. I don't have any kids. I might as well go and try because I can figure out now if I've got the skin for this. Mm. And then if I don't, I can go back to plan A, which was working out great. Mm -hmm. I probably shouldn't have left in the first place when Mm -hmm. I'm like sitting in this scenario. I'm like, really? I'm going to do this. I set myself up for this and I have it. And now I'm Mm going to leave it was still something like, okay, this can still be something I do down the road if this doesn't. Mm. So, but I think the key there is that, right? You have to fail fast. And it doesn't matter how old you are necessarily, but it's that decision that it's like, if this is something you truly have the guts mm. to attack... You have to fail fast and it sounds horrible, but you, you just are going to, it's really just, I'm going to go try this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go try to create a light bulb until I don't. And then I don't, and then I don't, and then I don't, and then eventually I might. And then when you do, it made everything along the way worth it because of how much wisdom that you've acquired in that time.
1: Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's, oh, sorry. You were
0: going to say. No, no, no. Go ahead.
1: Um, And I think failing fast um, is certainly something that, I don't know, there's like this, the the key question is like, should you quit or should you go forth? And I think like, you know, that's, I think the difference between failing and failure, when you start to like really peel back the layers and say like, well, am I making mistakes and not getting the outcomes I'm expecting towards some larger goal Or is this really like something I should just stop doing? And I think at the end of the day, that's the thing that most people, I think, gloss over with a bit of machismo or machismo about like, you know, fall down, you know, 99 times, get up 100. Like, but not if you're traveling south from New York City and wanting to go to Boston. So and and I think that's the more nuanced thing that really needs to be, I guess, the thing that you you can dig down deeper and be like, you have to be self-aware. You have to sort of um, try and engage in asking the bigger questions like, am I traveling down the right roads? And if you are, that's where I think you need the application of all of that like fail fast, learn, go forth thing.
0: Yeah, I love it. So this brings me to like the big question. Mm -hmm. I mean, we called this failing beautifully. So what what has been your biggest failure Mm -hmm. at this point?
1: Well, I, I can—I mean, I can classify them in different ways. So um, I could say most painful. Um, I could say biggest, sort of like one that everybody knew about, but then didn't come into being. And I'll—I'll I'll rattle them all off. I think they're all beautiful in their own way. Great. So the, I guess the most painful one was probably my hockey career. I was a competitive hockey player, um, and I played—I uh, was on scholarship at the University of Connecticut. That ending, not on my own terms, was mm-hmm. the most painful. They had a, a tremendous falling out with the coach lost my scholarship. Um, And and the problem with that, of course, was that, you know, as a teenager, I guess I was, yeah, 19, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so much of your identity is tied up in, you know, particularly amongst the uh, uh, hyper male nonsense things that teenage boys who play sports kind of get into. And sort of that social death was certainly one that was um, hard to deal with. Um, in, In retrospect, you know, I had been sort of uh, deluded into thinking that I could become a competitive uh, professional hockey player by scouts and all this other stuff. That just wasn't the case, right? Like, I know lots of those guys. They are freaks of nature, and I am not in that regard. I'm a good hockey player. It's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was good that it happened, but a very, very painful thing. So so there's one that's 20 years ago, and I can still feel some of the reverberations of that, good and yeah. bad um let's see uh (laughs) um hedge fund times i um you know i had tremendous success really really quickly which success is a very dangerous thing um when you're not prepared for it whatever that really means is another thing you can pick apart and unpack and try to figure out what that means um but for me we you know I, i was like in charge of a money press from 1999 to sort of 2002 2003 i mean really tech stocks at that time were just it was just absurd, you know, so you could you could start in the morning with a uh, $100,000, uh, you know, and in the afternoon have $800,000, you know, like just craziness, stuff like that. Wow. Um, wow. Uh, and then, you know, being in charge of huge sums of money, hundreds of millions of dollars with a team mm-hmm. of analysts, and then starting my own shop um, that we needed to raise $50 million for that I ended up raising $34 million for. So I ran it for two years successfully trading but not raging enough money um, and really, really, in a certain sense, failing in that regard despite being successful in terms of making money for other people. So it's like a really complex yeah. thing. Um, uh, so, there, I mean, there, another one from Real Estate Times, I took a new development listing. This is a couple years ago um, for these gentlemen. It was a big win. I competed against brokers that were much more seasoned. Um, you would enjoy this. I went in there with a slide. Uh, a white uh, uh, slide, PowerPoint slide that had the word branding written in black. And that was like my whole marketing presentation, <laughs> uh, which was pretty kitschy and which they totally bought into. It was, we were in the New York Times. We were in Cranes Magazine all that, all that stuff. And the development came to market. These gentlemen, who shall remain nameless, stood in, this was in a developing part of Brooklyn, uh, stood out outside of the townhouses and were not allowing um, people of color to enter the building. Um, so I had to wow. put back the listing to them, um, both morally and and from a licensing standpoint. And I had be- I had gotten so sort of um, swelled up in my head that I had won this business that was going to put three hundred thousand dollars in my pocket that I stopped Gee. marketing. That st- so I had a huge hole in my pipeline. So I had to spend oh like gosh. four months like bailing hay quickly to like oh my god I can't and, and so I learned a lesson to never allow my pipeline to do that no matter what happens so I mean there's a failure that's actually led into success because now my pipeline is is robust at all times off of that whipping that I took mm. so it's like you know those those are I mean and I, and I'm a person who you know however you want to judge success I would you know by most people's standards I would you know I'm I I, I I do well, I own an apartment in New York City, I have a wife, I have a kid, all that other crap. you know. Like, So I have a tremendous catalog, as you can see. I'm sure I can, with a, with further reflection, dig down deeper and be like, there's just time to you just get caught going across the middle and someone just cracks the hell out of you. And that's just, mm. that's life. That's right? incredible.
0: And that's the funny thing is because so much success can be dangerous, but at the same time you have to keep Going, you have to keep being hungry because mm. there it was. It was dangerous. You had this huge deal and then morally could not pursue it. Ah. And then you and then you're like, Oh god, I have no other business. And then suddenly it's like, Oh, I had so much success. And that fluctuation is what just kills us. So we the comfort zone. That's really what it it's, is. It's that it's, comfort. And the beauty of I'm sorry, have it happen.
1: The beauty of sales in a certain sense and why I love it is, is that it's so um well there's just no cheating it, right? There's no way to hide it. Like you can do all of this work particularly in real estate and Jean Richard, who's also a SAM member can attest to this. Mm-hmm. You got to do all of that work and unless you close that place it 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 that's what you put in the bank, right? So it's all mm-hmm. on the common and, and if you don't do it it ain't going to get done. Um mm-hmm. so that was one of those instances where like you just it was amazing I put I put uh, uh, you know half a year into this thing and got and got nothing but like and just uh, the lessons. So
0: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, so what let's talk about the lessons, mm-hmm. right? how, how did you end up recovering? Because that's the first step, you know, before you're going to learn the lesson at this point, you're like, Oh my God, I have no business. Like, right. let's go. How did you recover at that so,
1: point? Great question. And I think it's the key. To-
0: and we're picking the real estate story at this point. Yeah. We had a few good ones in there and I, and we're also on blab right now. And somebody said, you still have a twinkle in your eye about hockey. So I don't want to let that oh, one go yeah, completely. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, lo- I love, I love like that comment in the
1: city. So anytime it gets colder, I start getting that like, Oh, let's go out and crack totally. some people. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so how did I recover? So it's a great question, and I think it's the whole thing. So, so for me, you know, I've kind of I've had so much sort of so many setbacks, like the ones I have just mentioned. That that I and I believe that failure is inevitable. We will eventually will physically fail. So there's going to be more challenges ahead, and the amplitude of these waves will probably be greater, as um, my guess. And so you need to sort of develop a skill set that enables you to recover and learn and all this other stuff. And I, I, I think it starts with energy or at least for me. So what I do is when I, when I get caught going across the middle without looking and get cracked like that um, you know, I have a system of trying to restore my energy. I don't try and like, I sort of sit and observe the pain, if you will. Um, you can't sort of like, deny it or try and push it down or any of those other things like you have to say like wow
0: or even rationalize it i think that i've been trying to uh wrap my mind around this a little bit that even if it's not necessarily a failure but just sort of a significant life event Mm -hmm. we we end up trying to rationalize what happened and trying to explain it trying to understand it Mm -hmm. a lot sometimes you can't understand something um just depending on what the chain of events are, maybe you can sort of understand where you started and what the outcome is, but we always try to rationalize right. so that we can tell ourselves a story and we call that moving on, but we never sat in that moment mm-hmm. in the first place, which is probably the only thing you had to do in order to move on. You didn't need the story to tell yourself.
1: That's, the, that's a great point, Amy. I think the storytelling is the most dangerous part of that first phase of, of getting your ass kicked, if I may say, um, mm-hmm. um because w- immediately we try to go in the spin zone. And I don't mean that, I mean, sometimes you engage it with it right away with friends and family to try and save face, but more importantly, and most dangerously, we do it to ourselves, right? We start to try and externalize things and And, you know, we, we, oh, this was bad luck or which it very well may have been, but Mm -hmm. um, we always trying to, you know, sort of put it outside there as opposed to just sort of physically observe what it feels like to be in that state of being. And I think, you know, if you are to do that almost from, and I've learned this from meditation, just like, just, okay, your stomach's tight. You feel like you're going to throw up, like observe, 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 and you kind of move through this stuff. It kind of quickly dissipates Uh, emotional states of being only can really cling to you if you write stories about them and make them true. Mm. Um, then from there, I, I just am a firm believer after a, a great sabbatical from exercise over the past like thir- three years or so, I've been very very dedicated because it's um, it is the place where I sort of manufacture energy. Um, and then music. I like, mm-hmm. I think the arts are here as a, as a great inspirational force, so whether you are um, a creative person. I mean, I think we're all creative people. So if you're a writer, if you're a painter, if you're a person who likes to you know, play music or listen to music, I think is, 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 is artful um, to be yeah. a good listener. That's a place to manufacture energy. So that's kind of like for me, it's like just managing that process of like dealing with the, the feeling and then you have to recharge your energetic batteries, if you will, um, in order to re-engage.
0: That is such a good point. And when you said energy right off the bat, I was like, I know we're going in a good direction because that really what it is. You have to get re-energized. What is that thing that's happening within you that's making you feel this way? Mm -hmm. Recognize it, sit in it, understand as much as you can, not fully, but enough. And then find where that energy is going to go from this point. I, I just I think that you you explained that absolutely beautifully. Oh, is that is that the point where you come up with the lesson then?
1: I think so. I think it's there's there needs to be a bit of time um, that, that like with you know time heals all wounds that you have to have some time pass where the where your analysis will have less sting to it. And I think when you're when you're back to that I would call that that first phase like restoring your energy. And I would think the most successful people in the world keep that time frame as, as tight as possible. Like, and you can yeah. train yourself in this regard. Like some people spend-
0: Well, they say this, right? They're like, oh, when you have a heartbreak, you know, give yourself four hours to cry about it or whatever it is. Right. They're like, oh, just just cry about it. But that's it and then it stops. And I think that's what, what, you know, the successful people are the people that at least the people that recognize time as mm. very important. And the more time you spend on that, the more you're losing. But does that mean it doesn't deserve any time?
1: Right? No, no, you, you have to, uh, uh, to do otherwise is to deny your nature. And that's to- a, that to me is a
0: absolutely yeah it's just a
1: dangerous thing and, and I think
0: brilliant point
1: yeah um that's just we're humans you know we're we we are emotional beings and and to say otherwise I just think is is like the key to to dying early um, you know for, <laughs> yeah if, <it> really <laughs> so uh, so then for me I think there's a there's a period of time where you have to do a, a post mortem um, to to derive the inherent lesson I mean it's not just mm-hmm. going to reveal itself to you. Without the inspection, and I think what I have uh, through the thickening of the skin um, and the lashes that life will uh, allow, um, I've been able to sort of get to a spot where, like, I've, I've seemingly, depending on the the, the hiccup, you know, condense this energetic thing down pretty tight. So that's um, pretty. I can move on pretty quickly, um, and then from there, just like like you would if you're a doctor pulling apart a body, be like, okay, this thing that was this is a healthy liver that should be fine. Put that right. over there. Oh, I see. Well, you you died of a broken heart. You didn't. Well, I didn't do this, this, or this. Um, you know, chasing uh, whatever. Uh, like, we should talk about my reverse of course of social media because that's really how we we came into um, to being. I mean, up until about five months ago, I was r- m- much like all of the my peers, my forty one year old peers, being like, ah, oh, it's just complete noise. You know, like, <laughs> you just because you. I was social broadcasting as opposed to engaging. Um, right. So I had to reverse course there. Right. Um, you know. I,
0: but I yeah. love that point that you made about the postmortem. I don't think people think uh, enough about that because that's truly what the lesson should be. It's about analyzing, okay, maybe we can't fully understand it, but we know where the weak spot was. Mm, yeah. So let's take that and then move on from it. So – I guess I'm trying to think, because I what I loved about what we called this podcast was Failing Beautifully. Mm -hmm. So at which point, or what is the process where you sort of, I think every single time you fail, you have to then say, okay, I have a changed point of view about what failure is. Mm -hmm. So that's what makes it beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. Because you've learned your lesson, you've had your postmortem. So then- how is it like what is that what does that look like? Like what does that look like when you say, okay, I have a changed idea of what failure looks like because I know that was a failure, but what I got out of it is greater than that?
1: I, I what I it's a great question. And I think what it comes to is like the real purpose, I think, when I started thinking about the title excuse me, I'm getting over a bit of a yeah, 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 holiday that's okay. thing. Um uh is that you need to continuously cultivate um, a definition for yourself um, and and sort of like, okay, yeah, this is a periodic failure, but it's actually because I'm on the right road. I am actually now traveling north from New York City to Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I'm going to get where I'm going to go. Like, and, and I think sort of once you unpack the the postmortem and have good data around what went, worked, what didn't work, and yeah, you were able to look at it empirically and maybe there's still some emotion over it, but by and large, you had a scientific approach. You retest your thesis, right? You retest your mission. You retest your why. And if all the things are aligned, it's like, well, great. Take the things that you learned, and then buckle the chin strap, man, and get back on the playing field and try and crack somebody. Because that's just basically it. all that, that. That's the way that I that's the way I've done it. And and um, I think that's the way everybody should be doing it, to be quite yeah. honest. I don't want to sound over. um confident. But I, I I think that that's the thing that separates a lot of people from like achieving what they want to is like, there's just like confusion along that chain. Like they haven't answered the big enough. Why are you doing, are you traveling in the right directions? And if so, then it's just like, whatever these failures are, you just need to engineer them better so that you learn faster.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, good. I, I, I just, I think that that is such a good point and that's what makes the whole process so beautiful because it reminds, it's, ultimately what this does is it keeps you focused. This experience is going to get you realigned to where you should be because especially in entrepreneurship and small business, I mean... I, I read the best quote. Who posted it? I think it was Tori Tory Johnson on Twitter. It said, you know, um, somebody asks a small business owner, what do you do? And they reply, whatever it takes. Yeah. And we will. We'll do whatever it takes. But sometimes that means getting distracted and going in the wrong direction, which means failure is going mm-hmm. to occur. So let's talk about this. So you, you said before that your social media yeah. path was a little crazy before. I I mean, th- it's, there's certainly a problem with social media and real estate. We know this yes. because uh, r- real estate agents, I I think people go into that industry and I could be wrong, but it's mm-hmm. just because they're so good at selling. <laughs> so, I think when you get into a space of social media, it's a very different mentality where but at the same time, when you hire a real estate agent, you're you're potentially investing or buying something that is one of the most important purchases that you can make in a lifetime. So that relationship is critical. Therefore, social media is a perfect fit. So what has this journey looked like for you and mm-hmm. how you pivoted from maybe being a social soapboxer like many do mm-hmm. when they enter um, and coming out of it on top, prioritizing the relationship building process?
1: That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I would say the, the data is not yet in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I became a SAM member and, and I'm learning a lot from the group and, and you on a regular basis Um Really, for the the design being, I just moved companies this past week, so it's been a a. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I moved from Douglas Element to a company called Compass, which is a really a, a an exciting company because it's it's first and foremost a tech company that monetizes its assets through real estate. Where oh, wow. in real estate, a lot of these old brokers are like, I, I'm telling you, like their systems are from the like mid '90s. So it's a yeah. it's a crazy place where somebody with technological savvy can really disrupt the industry. Um, so th- that's to say that the data is a bit uh, you know, ahead of me because 2016, I'm going to unleash a, a torrent of um, well-informed um, by your guidance uh, and others like you, um, uh, engagement-based, um, I would call it almost infotainment, if you will. Um, yeah. It's gonna be answering a lot of questions. I'm probably gonna be doing two to three videos a week, short format. Love your form. I mean, it just, the, what you're doing on YouTube, Amy, is, is, is brilliant in that if you are there to provide information, the, the, the trial and error and the failure part that, you're, that you've gleaned along the way of those 500 plus videos now has gotten to, you know, the, the way a pop song works, right? Like pop songs are three minutes and 30 seconds. You got to mm-hmm. get to the chorus pretty quickly, like all that stuff. Same thing with like an informational YouTube video, right? There is sort of like a structure that sits behind it.
0: That's absolutely. Um, Structure is the name of the game and people, not enough people do it. I think it's too easy to just go in and, right. and just talk. Now, that being said, the people that do that are doing more than most. And you know, so many people want to say they can't create video. But speaking of that, is that what you're saying like in the last few months, or I, I think you've been in Sam uh, for a good four months or so yes. at this point. Um, what has, 2015 was clearly the year of planning then for you. Yes. So what can we Sneak peek, expect sure. from this engagement plan for oh, next year. Sure,
1: it, it'll it'll really be video based, um, two to three minutes apiece, mm-hmm. answering all types of questions. Um, but I think more in a well, I would say more of it stylistically, the way that you know, and energetically, probably. Sorry, New York City is a noisy
0: oh, place. Oh, that doesn't even faze <laughs> okay, <cool. phase> me. <laughs> um, <laughs> People on the podcast are used to hearing me with sirens in the background. <laughs> uh, I,
1: just, uh, I live on Union Street in Park Slope, so it's like a main thoroughfare for all types of Oh, yeah. Um, I know that's right. So, um, yeah, it's going to be video-based, quick-moving, um, and just answering a lot of the questions that I think that I've gotten over the past five, six years in real estate from buyers and sellers. Um, uh, and, I, you know, I'm going to make good use of Facebook. Ads. I think that that is a disruptive platform. You know, only recently when I say that, over the past four months, did I wake up to the idea like, holy crap, man, this is a a, like an ads platform that anybody data
0: for days.
1: And the idea that I can target a zip code with a specific Mm. type of thing, and I can target people's um, emails and other pages that people like, uh, is just disruptive, and nobody and that I can see in this marketplace is doing that. So I think there's a great arbitrage opportunity to use the parlance of my wall street times between what's available for brand awareness to an agent like me and what people are doing. So I see that as virginal territory. So I think 2006 years, I'm going to be throwing punches at that significantly hard and learning along the way, of course, but it's going to be, I was waiting to make this company move first and of course, learn how to do it a bit. Um, Sure.
0: Sure. Absolutely.
1: That's what's to come.
0: That's, Super exciting. Congratulations on your changes, your successes, and your failures. (laughs) And thank you for being a part of Social Authority membership. You've been such a great contributor, and I was so excited to get you on the podcast so we could talk more about it.
1: Much appreciated. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for being here, Evan. Just want to let everybody know, thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate your feedback in the comments here on Blab, or if you're listening on the podcast, your comments in the reviews on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you like to listen. Thank you for taking part in that big ups to the bandwidth sponsor for the social authority podcast. And that is AWeber, the only email marketing platform that I trust. Go to savvy, sexy, com slash AWeber for a 60 day free trial. And for more details of how, how you can join me and Evan in social authority membership group, go to social authority, com. We'll see you listen in to your earbuds next week.